Welcome to Talking Context with Tim, Cody, and Tyler. On today's show, we're joined by Joe Hernandez. So you were originally from New York, then you're from Long yeah, Island? Yeah, I uh, was uh, born, uh, born in Mineola, Long Island. I lived in Wontaw until I was about 10, and then I went upstate and lived in Bethel by uh, the original side of Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Like two miles down the road from that. Okay. And I and I joined the army at seventeen. I was actually gonna be a Marine. I wanted to be a Marine. I was dead set on being a Marine, right? And my mother begged me, begged me. The the Army recruiting office was right next door to the Marine recruiting office. And I already had talked to the Marines and they're like I was like, What do I get for being a Marine? They're like, You get to be a Marine. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So then I went to the uh, to the army recruiter and I was like, I want to go to Marine Force Recon. I'm here to please my mother. He's like, well, we have this thing called the Rangers. I'm like, what are the, I didn't know what an army ranger was. Mm-hmm. I never heard of it. And I was like, what's that? And he pointed to behind me and it was the big poster of like six rangers on the Zodiac, right? All in yeah. black decked out, you know, I'm like, huh. And they're like, and we'll give you $20,000. I was like, Cha-ching. I'm like, okay, <laughs> where do I sign? Yeah. <laughs> you have me at 20. Mm-hmm. You know, so I went up to MAPS and I tested, and I didn't get to 20, but they're like, we'll give you airborne school. And my grandfather was a paratrooper in World War II, so I was like, okay, I'll take, I'll take, you know, it wasn't about the money. Right. I, I wasn't going to back out of serving my country because I didn't get 20 grand. Right. I, you know, it, I, I mean, I you, were, you were already dedicated to making that decision. Regardless. Yeah. That was your calling, yeah. regardless. Like, I played Army as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. running around with fake guns and, and soldiering and watching all the war movies growing up with my grandfather. So, like, Red Dawn. I, I grew yeah, up on that movie, you know? Sure. So we, I wanted to go fight the Russians. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. And uh, so, yeah, so I signed up. And I was supposed to leave the day after graduation. And I got in mono, so they pushed my ship date back. Mm. And uh, so I spent the whole summer at home chilling, partying with my friends, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, this is this is this life ain't so bad. I was like, I don't think I want to go anymore. Mm. And then I woke up. 9/11 happened. I remember waking up, walking downstairs, and the TV was on, and I, I'm watching the towers right before they fell. And I was, I was like, okay, we're going to war. I'm going, right? Mm-hmm. So seven days later, I was at Fort Benning, Georgia. Wow. Yeah. And Meps was like, we don't care. You're going. You know. And that's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, September 11th is I went back in. Okay. I did my second tour in the Navy after okay. September 11th. I had gotten out in December of 2000. I was home working next, working for Nextel in New York. Right. And I lived in Brooklyn, across the water from the World Trade Center. So when all of that shit happened, man, like my truck was covered in soot. from all of it there was papers on the ground i knew what was going on because i had already had five years of military experience i there was something more than just a prop plane that hit the hit the building for all of that man people running around like they didn't know they're new yorkers they're chaos and then there's jets flying over that people i was driving on the sidewalk people's waiting in traffic i didn't give a damn i knew i needed to get to my son was in school i had to pick him up yeah my stepson at the time and um it's just one of those things and after that, I was like, yeah, I'm going back in, man. Like, I need my brothers and sisters are out there right. fighting. I'm going to go fight with them. Right. And before you knew it, you know, it takes a little bit longer to go back in. So September 11th happened. But by December 12th, I was right back in. I was at down in Virginia. I drove down. to. I was at MIPS in Fort Hamilton and oh, wow. drove down on, on my own. Gave right. me, they gave me my packet. <laughs> drove down to Virginia and I was in Virginia for a couple of weeks. And then before you know it, I 
the detailer was like, man, I can give you South Carolina, the mm. ho- Naval Hospital. And I'm like, bro, that's not what I came back in for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I want a warship. Right. That's what I want. Right. And sure enough, I got the USS Gettysburg. My, I love that baby. Yeah. That's my that's my boo right there, that, the Gettysburg. But um, yeah, it was a real warship. And before you know, we were in the surge. We were one of the first battle groups to go in the Enterprise Battle Group, and I got everything I wanted out of it, man. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's unfortunate that what you feel about war after, like when you get older, you kind of. Right. I'm 43 now. I'm sitting here. I know the effects of what we did and what was happening, and. But it was a mission. It was what I was called to do, and that's what I did. So, yeah, it's just a job. Do, do you? How did you feel when you, when you first went in? Since it was so fresh after September 11th, and you were so you were younger, so. Well, you know, like you're a kid, right? So you have like these illusions. I was 19. I was 19 going into Afghanistan, mm. and you know, you you picture what you see in the movies. You know, like. I, I think Saving Private Ryan had come out by then, so you mm-hmm. know it's Normandy charging the beachhead stuff like that. So you like you're thinking like honor, glory, you know the whole nine yards, and you get there and you're at Kandahar, you know air base, and everything's just hot and humid, and you know nothing's really built up. Supply lines weren't really built up, so like there was no air conditioning, there was no internet. It, we were in tents. Nothing. There was no hard. The beginning was the right, worst. Yeah. The worst, man. Like yeah. the first four or five years were the yes, worst. There, like man. the water was the same temperature as you know as a hundred. You know, you're thirsty, and you're trying to drink water, and it's 130 degree <sighs> water. You know, you learn real quick how to you know cool them off. I feel for you guys, man. While, I mean, the worst that we had on the ship was that we went with no hot water, but we oh. welcomed it because it was freaking 120 right. degrees outside. Right. So, yeah, it was definitely. Uh, a learning, uh, it was an experience. It, it really was. And then, you know, like, we had to keep up with PT, so we're running around the, the flight line. You know, my squad leader was very big on PT. He he went on later and uh, became special forces, but, like, he would run triathlons and do mm. stuff like that. So he was like a machine. So we all became machines, yeah. you know, because that's what he wanted. But, um, <clears throat> you know, so we were... Uh, I was infantry, but I was also mortars. Mm-hmm. So we were in charge of setting up mortar positions around Kandahar Air Base and, and providing counterfire to uh, incoming mortar and rocket. Mm-hmm. And um, as things progressed, you know, we, you know, missions, stuff like that, we were, you know, load up on Chinooks with our 81s and go out. And mm-hmm. I was part of Operation Mountain Sweep, which was at the time the largest air assault mission in the history. Wow. Uh, at that at that moment in time, 19 years old, part of wow. something that great, you know, r- walking through the mountains of Afghanistan. Uh, <clears throat> so I we, Afghanistan for six months, and then we we cycled back home, back to Bragg, and then we were in Iraq at the time. And our I remember we're training, and then we we're wondering when we were going to go, and then our battalion commander calls us for formation. He's like, "Man, we're going." He's like, "I got two things. We're going on leave." In a week, and we're like, yeah, all right, fuck yeah, leave. Mm-hmm. Who, who doesn't want to go on leave, right? right? Yeah. And he's like, and then we're going to Iraq in a couple months. And he's like, so when we get back from leave, we're prepping for Iraq. I got home. I drove from North Carolina up to State New York. It was like eleven hour drive. I was home for maybe four hours. Staff duty calls. They're like, you gotta come back. We're leaving for Iraq. So, in 24 hours. so how long between your your two deployments? Your first two uh, deployments? Six months. Holy that. shit, that's yeah. a crazy turnaround, bro. Yeah. Like. Yeah, six That's months. That's nuts. And we're we're in Iraq. So we're we're going to Iraq. So now I'm home on leave, staff duty calls, and they're like, 
get back in 24 hours, we're leaving for Iraq. So I'm thinking, well, obviously all hell has broken mm-hmm. loose that they're doing this to us. I, I got pulled over like four times on the way back to Bragg, like Damn. speeding, like I go crazy. Man. Yeah, yeah. Explaining the situation, and they all let me go. So we get back, and we left for Iraq actually in like 48 hours. We were, we were wheels up. And I remember, like, I don't know how it got passed back, but, like, they were saying planes were taken, RPG and small arms fire. So we were, like, cock-locked, ready to rock on the plane. Yeah, yeah. And we come rolling, you know, they land the plane, they open up the tailgate, and we come out, gun, you know. Ready. Ready, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think the 101st was there we were leaving, and uh, they were playing Eye of the Tiger. Their band was, and we're like, you know, we're running off the plane, yeah. And all of a sudden, da da da, and we're like, what the fuck, you know? So obviously, whatever, you know, small arms fire. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't, but that was a good laugh. So, and then, bro, that's that's like a montage. That's montage that's gonna keep playing in your head until the day you die, bro. Never forget it. Oh man, yeah, the Rocky theme. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And so then we were in, uh, we're in Baghdad. We're in Biop. And uh, we did operations out of uh, Baghdad, uh, Ramadi. At this point, you were still doing mortar, you, or uh, actually, we were do- we set up counter battery at our our fob, mm-hmm. and then we were also doing um, patrols on the road. We were, you know, it, it became multi- we were doing more infantry stuff than just mortar stuff, you know. Um, things had died down a little bit, so they didn't want to provide, you know, mortars weren't really, uh, like the collateral damage. Well, and, and, it, and Iraq was very different in Afghanistan because Afghanistan was more of a rural fight. Yes. Where yeah. Iraq, you were dealing more in a, in right. populations, right. condensed exactly. civilization, like, you know, right. Pueblos type thing, little yeah, cities. So shooting mortars at that point of the, uh, of the war was, uh, it few and far between, mm-hmm. you know. So we yeah. did more um route clearance and, and convoy security and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we were on the road a lot, you know, and then that's when IEDs started picking up. Yeah. You know, and we didn't have up armored vehicles in the beginning. And then you know, IEDs became a thing and I remember driving down the road one day and we rode over you know, an IED, and I guess there was a delay, or the guy didn't hit it right. I, I, he didn't time it right. Oh, I remember being in a light skin Humvee, no armor, and feeling the shockwave from the blast from the IED that went off behind me that I just drove wow. over, right? And it throwing my vehicle sideways, and it took out wow. two two lanes of the three lane highway, <laughs> and the 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 crater was probably a good. 12, 15 feet deep. I mean, had that went off as I drove over it. So there's definitely, you You had to suffer some kind of concussion from that. Just from that, like... No, I was, I, I was lucky. It wasn't until the third to last day that my vehicle got hit with an IED. Mm. Um, but we were up armored by then. and uh, But it, it shredded the whole rear right side of my vehicle. I was a driver. I was still only a PFC. Uh... My TC Sergeant Gotti, he was he was okay. My gunner, his ear canals got blown out, so he got oh. medevaced out. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we were ripping with the Marines that came in to RAO to change out with us, mm-hmm. and they came out to uh, provide security. 
And as they pushed out to provide 360 security, they hit a secondary IED. And one of the gunners from their vehicles, the shockwave blew open their vest, and shrapnel went into the guy's Holy chest. So shit, my gunner and one, a Marine gunner yeah. both got air medevac that day. That was that was a bad day. Third to last day. What year was that? Was that like 03 around there? Yeah. Because I, I, I went in 03 to 04, yeah. and, but I wasn't on a ship. But my nephew was a Marine. And okay. my nephew, his platoon was essentially blown up by a suicide bomber. And okay. he was the only one to survive. He was 17 years old. Oh, wow. Fresh Marine, yeah. didn't know nothing about life. He wanted to be Marine Recon. His dream was to be a sniper. Right. All of these things, and it was over for him. Like in an, just like that, it was yeah. just over. For me, that was the hardest part about being out there because I was already mission oriented. I was a watch officer. I did communications. Right. I knew my job depend. If I didn't do my job, you were gonna die. Right. Or air yeah. defense. Like right. it was it had nothing to do with my ship, my shipmates or me. Right. That wasn't the danger I felt. So when when I get an I'm the one that reads the freaking message traffic. So the message traffic comes over and I see my nephew's name. Oh my god. And I'm like, No, this ain't real. Yeah. This yeah. shit is not fucking real. Right. There's no way. Right. So my buddy Brandon, he's we're on watch together and he pull he pulls it up. He's like, I said, We got an AM cross. And I said, Can you read this? Like I didn't know my nephew's social off the top of my head, but I knew it was his name. And I'm like, I need to find out all that you can find out about this Amcross right now. I couldn't do it because right. it was against policy. I couldn't do that against procedure. Right. He ran it up the chain of command. Everybody signed. Come to find out it was my nephew. Oh, my God. That's crazy. He was, in, he was medevaced out, Baghdad, taken to Germany. He was in Germany already over like two days later. By the time I found out all the details, it, my captain was like, I can't let you go. Yeah, You're not going nowhere. Like, I can't afford to lose you. We're in the middle of a theater of war. I'm not letting you go nowhere. Right. So that was something that I was like, all right, let me just push that shit down, yep. and I'll deal with that shit later. Yeah. And, uh, that was, you know, it, it's, it's crazy when, for me, it was an indirect thing, but I could never imagine had we suffered something like the USS Cole or, right. you know, like like the real... Like, I've seen the flashes and I, from a distance. I experienced war from a distance, not like you did. And, and what, so how many deployments did you do in total? So, you did, so after your second, how long was it before you went back on your third when you came home? Um, I want to say maybe another eight months to a year. Maybe, maybe so it was, it was a about year. the average yeah. turnaround yeah. Between, between deployments. Because your first one was quick, bro. Yeah. Six months is. Because that was the surge. That was everybody was running out there. And then deployment three and four was even quicker the turnaround because they were restructuring U.S. Army Europe, right? Mm. And I was in Germany, and my dwell time did not get updated. There was a the break in the paperwork. Something got messed up. So it said that like I had eighty-seven months of dwell time, right? Mm. That I that I was not deployed. So my, my D214 was all messed up. Right. And nobody caught it. The S shop, not my first line, no, not even me. Nobody caught it. Wow. So they kept sending me the units that were being deployed. So when I got back from my 14-month deployment, my third deployment was 14 months. They sent me right down the road to a different uh, army base. From I went from Freiburg to Vilsack in mm -hmm. Germany. And they were getting ready to deploy um, a month later. Holy shit. Yeah. So now I'm with this new platoon. I'm, I'm an NCO, right? Um, the other NCO, the, the section sergeant for the for the platoon, he had one deployment, and everybody else under him had zero. No one had deployed. And here I am with three. Yeah. 
So I'm like, all right, I can't in good conscience pack these guys up and wave goodbye. Right. I have experience. I'm a leader. I need to be, I need to go. I have to go. And so I got called in front of the uh, colonel, our battalion commander. He's like, you sure you want to go? He's like, you know, you don't have to. He's like, you have to sign this paper, you know, that you're waiving your dwell time right to, to go. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm good. Let's go. Wow. So, like, I, I, don't, I had, like, that's good shit. 60-day turnaround shit, time, and, and then that was a 15-month deployment. And then that so was, then when you came back from that deployment, how long before you actually transitioned out of the Army? Uh, I literally um, transitioned it, out, like, it was pretty 60 quick. days. See, yeah. that's something that uh, Cody and I are really trying to tackle as far as with this podcast and the transition for us. All right. Whether you have six months to prepare or you have 60 days to prepare, the transition is just not enough for us when we get out. It, no. I don't, think, I don't think you're really ready, to be honest with you. Like, you know, they, they, there are programs in place. There is Right, they have tasks and right, stuff. That, right, but those are, right. I feel like those people give you flyers. They give you websites. They right. give you other people to go talk to. Right. But if you're coming back and you already have PTSD or if you experience any kind of combat and, you know, or you're a certain way, you're just like, I'm not going to look for help. Right. I'm a fucking sailor. I'm a fucking ranger. I'm right. not. I'm a soldier. I'm not right. doing this. Sh- I don't need help. I'm fine. Well, the so, funny thing is, like, that's what I mean. The first three times I came back from deployment, like I was very happy. Like the sky was blue. The grass was green. Life was good. Mm-hmm. The fourth time I came back. I, I, I identified that there was a problem because mm-hmm. I was pissed. I was just mad at the world. I don't know what my problem was. I knew I was off. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was leaving. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the mental health guys, and I'm like, listen, something's wrong, and I don't want to go home to my family like this. What can you do for me? They're like, well, you're leaving in 60 days. There's really nothing we can do. Uh, here's, uh, I think they gave me a script for, like, 90 days worth of, like, Prozac. You see what I mean? But, the, I mean, it, it's, you, you can't. I, it's, a, it's a thing that frustrates me that when everybody's waving their flags and yellow ribbons and support our troops, thank you for your service. I appreciate all of that. Right. But I feel like we are definitely underappreciated in society as a whole. Veterans. I, I don't know if we're underappreciated or we, we have this stigma that we're all broken. And, and we are to a degree, but everyone's a little bit broken. I Soldier agree. or civilian. Yes. Before you even get in there, you're right. a little broken. That's right. what they want. They want to fix that broken right. that brokenness to be theirs. Right. Like, like I said, like I came back a little different from my fourth deployment, but the the, the biggest problem wasn't the deployments. Like that was my job. Mm-hmm. I signed up to fight. I I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. Me too. Um, the transition to civilian life after eight years of military life, that w- that's the, and still is the hardest battle that I face. Even, you know, I've been out since 2009. So, and that's what I mean as far as if we could, if I don't know what the answer is, I, I really don't, but I'm willing to be open minded and hear from you or from anybody who hasn't suggestions. What can we do to make this better? We uh, don't, there's no right answer, I'm sure, right now. No. But I think if we brainstorm, if we shit kick it down the hill, we're going to find one that's going to come out and it's going to be the right answer because there's got to be some kind of counseling that goes along with this when we get out, when we come back from deployment, some kind of obligatory counseling. Everybody should see somebody. If a police officer shoots somebody, they have it's a police related shooting. They have to see somebody for that before they go back on patrol. It should be the same for us. I agree. And that's what I mean as far as 
transitioning out as far as that kind of help. Because, like you said, we're all a little broken. So even if you didn't face combat, you were in the military. You would, Your brain was trained and designed right. and rewired to be a killer, to be this, to be that. Right. And now you're not. Now that all stops. Not only that, you know, the military so like is to tell you exactly when to sleep, when to eat. Right. Shit, it's right? the structure. Right. And and, and so it's the military is very black and white. Mm-hmm. Right. And some people love black and white. I love black and mm-hmm. white. I hate gray. And civilian life is nothing but gray. Right. And that's kind of why this show is called Talk in Context, because the show is all about in context because in civilian life that's what it is in the military everything like you said is black and white right. there's no context to nothing you do it or you don't right. that's the most the problem most of us have when we get out now you go in the civilian world i work next to you at walmart in a distribution center my work ethic as a soldier or as a sailor is to pick up the boxes and bust my ass for eight hours right yours is to take multiple smoke breaks chill do all of that now i got a problem with that mm-hmm. but i don't know how to address you with that right because you want to come off like a military yeah, exactly. dude, and that's where we bump heads with society, and that's where I feel like that part needs to be addressed because when that goes unaddressed, right. now that becomes other things. Now you got anger problems, depression, right? And now it's a snowball that goes downhill, and right. So yeah, no, like when like I know I I'm very I've become very passive aggressive. Like mm-hmm. I'll try to avoid conflict at all costs because I know once I get to a certain point, there's there's no turning back, right? So, but I'm very direct in my message to people when I when I need to be. And mm-hmm. people are like, "Oh, you're you're a dick." Like, no, I just need to get my point across right. because if it gets any further and we get into conflict, like shit's gonna go south and it's gonna go bad. I'm gonna get really mean and mm-hmm. the knife hand is gonna come out and Sergeant Hernandez is gonna come back yeah. and you're not gonna be talking to Joe, right? You know, and I'm gonna be very assertive in, in my message to you, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, some people just don't know how to deal with that. Civilians, you know. Uh, other military people, they get it. And I think that's a lot of the problem is, uh, you know, veterans, you know, trying to seek help is if they're seeking help and it's from a civilian that's never really faced, uh, you know, been deployed or combat or never even served, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's like, well, what do you know? Right. And even if they work for the VA, they just don't know. They don't know the right questions to ask us or the right temperament to have i feel i and it's nothing against the va right it's just what it is and right. if we know that there's a problem why aren't we doing something to change it and a lot of you know my experience like for example when i got home after my deployment and they tried to give me the prozac i went to the va i'm like listen i need I, and i went to seek more mental health right mm-hmm. and they're like what are you trying to do with a career with yourself now that you're out i was like i'm trying to be a cop and they're like we need to stop this conversation Right now. Right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, if we document this, you'll never pick up a gun again. I'm like, but wouldn't you want somebody that's self-aware, trying to fix their problem? 100%. Right? Holding a gun as opposed to the person that's in denial. And 100%. And going to fucking break one day and shoot everybody. Like, yep. that makes no sense to me. So that conversation stopped, and I stopped seeking help for a very long time. And, I, and that's one of the reasons I love the heat is because it doesn't turn away right. a, a, Policeman, firefighter, trauma nurse, veteran, we're all dealing with the same kind of shit where there's a stigma attached to who we are and we don't, we kind of have a loss of identity in a way. Like, who the fuck are we when you get out? First off, I've been doing communications for eight years. I've been doing satellite communications. Where am I going to do that out in the real world? Right. Yeah. So now I was in charge of people. I was in charge of millions of dollars of equipment, billions of dollars in equipment, top secret shit. Right. And 
Now I'm just Tim Gonzalez. Yeah. So now it's like, what? That's what I mean. Like, there's right. a, and not just for me. There are people who are way worse off than I am. Right. Who are much more deserving of the help than I am. Right. So I'm just saying, I'm using myself as an example from experience, but let's be real. Like, there are people out there that need way more help than us, and they're not getting it. They're just saying, here's your DD-214. See ya. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, here's these, go t- check out this website or that website. But who's going to go check out a website? Like, right. we need, let's be real, people to come to us right. as veterans right. and say, I know you're fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been there. Like you said, it can't be somebody who's never seen it or been there. But if you have another veteran who's seen combat and says, Joe, you all right today, man? You right. kind of look a little, old. like I've seen that in you before. Right. They've seen it in other soldiers. They've seen it in themselves. It's, right. it's a different conversation. You know, and then there's that, that bravado that they fucking instill on us. Like, no, mm-hmm. just, like you know, like, you, you want to go to sick call. Oh, you're a bitch. Yep. Right? Go out there, run, take Motrin, drink water, face out, take a knee, right? So it's like, I never went to sick call, right, unless I was dying, right? And the same thing is, like, I refuse to ask for help. Unless I'm dying, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then it gets to a certain point where you know it really starts to affect your home life, and it's like, okay, something's gotta gotta give. Exactly. And that's actually how I got into the whole gym thing. Yeah. So can you expand on that? Because I know you're all right. So I was engaged um, when I got out, mm-hmm. and because of you know whatever I was going through, that that ruined that. So I moved home, and I was 27. And I'm like, I'm I'm sleeping on my parents' couch, and I was like, fuck! Like I went from, you know, being in charge of millions of dollars of equipment, running operation, right. being in charge from soldiers anywhere from uh, four personnel to thirty, mm-hmm. right? To to this, right? This is this is a giant step backwards. I felt yes. like a failure. Yes. Right? So, uh, one day I got up. And I went to go grab a bottle of vodka out of my freezer. And I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? And so I, I emptied the bottle. And I packed the gym bag and I went to the gym. And they had a heavy bag there. And I hit that bitch probably for an hour until I couldn't pick my arms up anymore. Mm. So my arms didn't work anymore, but my legs worked. So I got on the treadmill and I ran. I ran until my arms came back. And then I lifted for another hour. Wow. And I felt great. And I, I'm like, okay. And I went back the next day. And the next day. And when the gym was closed, I would go for a run or I would ruck. You were bitten by the bug. Yeah, and I did that for a year. And because I blew up, I got a little fat after getting out, right? Yeah. So I was uh, so I was heavy. I was depressed. Uh, I, I really had no plan as what I wanted to do. And then so the gym, you know, I got back in shape. I was a lot leaner. I was a lot healthier. Everything was feeling good. My mental clarity was good, but I was still not where I wanted to be as far as career-wise. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. So, and here I am at 27, 27, 28, and I'm like, fuck. I'm like, if I'm still living on this couch by the time I'm 30, I'm just going to I'm gonna figure it out. I'm going to call it a day. Because to me, that was failure. Being mm-hmm. 30, living at home, being 30, right. was unacceptable. I hear you. Right? I, I, I could not live with myself at that point. At that, So that motivated me to get my act together and pull my shit together. And um, I... Uh, Moved down here, and I was gonna go back in the military. I really was. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be a lifer." I and almost my, did it too. My cousin was like, "You know, is that because you absolutely love it, or because you feel like you can't do anything else?" I was like, "I could do anything I want." And he's like, "Well, 
what do you want to do? What do you like to do? And I was like, well, I like, you know, I like to work out. He's mm -hmm. like, well, why don't you be a personal trainer? I was like, I never thought of that. I, I was like, I actually, you know, didn't know much about what personal trainers did. I saw them in the gym, but I never paid attention. Right. I was always doing my own thing. And uh, so I looked, I Googled personal training school, and there was a college that came up, Remington College. It's no longer in, uh, it's no longer operational now, but it was, a, you know, like a trade school college. Mm -hmm. And it was offered a nine-month program, and the GI Bill accepted the GI Bill. And I went, and... You know, here I am 10 years later with my own business and personal training. And, you know, I've, I've worked with hundreds of people and I've helped hundreds of people. And it's very rewarding and it gives me value. And and I got to tell you, I am. Well, for those of you listening and at home, that um, Joe dedicates his time to do uh, to train veterans as well here. Part of the heat factory three days a week. Uh man woman he has a whole group of women yeah. down there mostly yeah. but uh and they are badass women by they the really way are. they are they are they are amazing i've worked out with them and they outdid me so um i almost passed out i'm not afraid to say um no it's good it's rewarding it's it, it, it's it's nice to be able to be something bigger than yourself like we were in the military to have we, purpose we, again right. right like yeah you and know? that's what i mean if we found a transitional phase for us like if it was something like a year out you know how you have to kind of make a decision. You got to go for orders right. or you're going to call your detailer. You're going to reenlist. What right. are you going to do? So if you have to make that decision, then when you make the decision to get out, right. why isn't there another path for you, a healthy path to say, all right, Joe, what do you like to do? The way your cousin said, like, right. what can we do? Can we give you some kind of path? Not that they're going to pay for any more training for you or any of that, because that's what the VA does with Volk Rehab. Right. But if they got the ball rolling ahead of time where you don't have to wait a year when you get out to get your VA and get all right. this other stuff, you know, that's that's kind of what I mean. I'm not yeah. trying to say that the, the military needs to do more in a sense of budgetary or money. or no. I just feel like they just need to do more for us that are getting out when we're getting out. Right. Because, you know, the only person that really talked to me like, what are your plans about getting out? was the reenlistment officer mm -hmm. who I happen to be friends with and, and, and workout buddies with. Right. So he was like, Joe, what are you, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to be a cop. He was like, you, and I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, the local PD, the sheriff's department where I, where I grew up. I was like, they said I get right on. And I did, I went and took the test. Right. And I scored a 93 and then at the veterans, five veterans points, so that's mm -hmm. a 98. And I was still 350 on the list to get selected to be a deputy. So by that time, by the time they called me, it was two years later upon taking that test, and I was already living here. Mm. So I was like, no, no, thanks. I'm good. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's part of what it is. I Like, I took tests in New York, too. I took the NYPD. Mm -hmm. I took uh, the court officer. You do tests like that. and those, But those there's years of waiting. Right. And that's what I mean. Like, what are you supposed to do in the meantime? It's right. kind of like... Uh, if you're sick and you're going for Social Security, they want you to fail. They don't. They make it last three or four years so that they you could say, "Oh, I'm done. I don't even want to do that shit." And they get they just right. don't have to deal with you. You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of they draw it out so you quit. Like I got out. I was working construction. I was running a shovel and stuff like that. I'm like, no, this is not. Uh, this is a step back. Like I did this in high school. Mm -hmm. Like a, I need to be moving in the other direction. Right. You, you know, I need more. I want more. And even with my business, you know, like it's great, it's you know, it's it's lucrative, it's provided for me and my family, but I still, I still want more. I, I'm like, how do I grow? But my it's business? a different wanting more. Like, right. you, you, like it gets contagious because when you get that piece of, 
right. of content and happiness and purpose. And right. it's like, I feel that way now. And that's why this I'm doing this. And that's right. why I'm sitting here with you now is because Diane and people and Gus have helped me. You've helped me. Other people, have, you guys are just supportive. So, right. You know, and that has changed something in me where I'm like, all right, now I got a purpose. Now, what can I do with what I have and the knowledge that I have? Right. This is what I can do. I just want right. to let people know that there are other veterans in between the lines that you don't see on TV, talking on CNN or Fox News right. that are hurting and need help and need more than just thank you for your service. Right. Like, can you help them find a job? Can you help them, um, I don't know, with their car, mow their lawn. If they're 75 years old and they're a Vietnam veteran, mow their lawn for them, help them out. Like, do something to help that veteran, to know that. Because for I, from my experience, it's not about that I, I want people to care for me. Right. Society, to right. care for me, to care for veterans. Like, right. Right. not to just wave a flag or put a ribbon on a tree. Right. And, and, you know, and uh, I think we still are lucky. You know, if you, you look at Vietnam era where soldiers were coming home and getting spit on. Very much. We're very you know, blessed in that respect. We, we are very, very lucky blessed. because there's a lot of people that don't agree with, you know, what's going on in, in, in the Middle East right, right. now and, and never have, but they still give respect to the soldier. Yes. Which I, I'm very grateful for. You know, I remember As walking through Atlanta airport and the entire airport standing up and clapping as we all are marching, you know. That's dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, it, you know, it gives you goosebumps. And it's like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. that's dope, yeah. man. Like, that, I think we need, um, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not ungrateful, and I hope that I don't sound ungrateful. It's just that as the veteran, it's hard. Like, when you're living in this skin and you're living this life and right. you, you lose your identity and you do things, like right. you know, like, the life that you live, the bumps that you go through. You know, and then on the flip side of that coin, you know, there are a few veterans out there, and it's a very small population because I've only come across a few that that beat their chest a little too hard. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and the, those bad apples that ruin it for the rest of us because, right. they, I, you know, they identify with us, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like when that, that vet um, shot those cops in Texas, I yeah. think it was, right? Like, it, it was a veteran, Mm-hmm. Right, that was the key word they kept using—a veteran, a veteran. Yep. It's like fuck, like you're giving us a black eye. And that's part of the podcast now is why we're doing the show is because we, you only hear about the veteran when it's a negative connotation, when it's right. PTSD's involved. What about PTSD being involved in a positive connotation? Like you said, I'm self-aware enough that I need help. Right. That's what brought me in here to the Heat Factory because right. I knew I needed help right. because I sat with my a bottle of pills and my fucking whiskey and I was like. I could just go to sleep, man. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't have... What the hell do I need to care? Exactly. But you know what I thought about? My dog's eating me. <laughs> That's what kept me alive, Joe. Damn. I sat there. My dog sat in front of me while I was sitting there playing with my pills. I was playing them like maracas. All right. Watching TV, drunk off my ass. Yeah. And I'm like, I can go to sleep. And then I look down at my dogs and they're like, but they're going to kill my dogs. Right. Because they're going to have the taste of blood. My wife won't even get to take them. Right. Like, they're going to kill them. I right, said, right. What do I get out of killing myself? I'm going to kill three other things. I'm not doing that. So I didn't kill myself. Two days later, I come looking for help. I go to career source. Long story short, I end up here. Here I am a year later. Able to talk to you, have a conversation with you, be social, feel alive, feel like I have purpose. And it doesn't... Yeah, and it doesn't mean that I don't have bad days. I have really bad days. And there are days where I still feel that way. But now I know those are just feelings and thoughts. That's not who I am. 
before I felt like that's who I was. And that's what the heat has done for me in the combination of the modules and the socialization. And I, I want to get back in the gym with you, but I'm really scared, man. I'll be honest with you, man. You killed me that last time. We'll but, take, hey, we'll, we'll, and we didn't even do anything really hard, we'll but I, slower. Uh, I, I want to do more of a low impact. Right. I'm looking forward to doing more of a low impact, maybe just treadmill. Bro, just come in and talk stuff with like me. that. Like, and we'll, we'll yeah, we'll, all right. Well, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna. I want to because I want to get back into the gym. I want to get healthy again, and I'm healthy mentally now, so I want to get healthy physically. Right. You know, my my attitude with the the Veterans Heat Factory physical fitness side of what I do here is you either want it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. You don't see me chasing people down. One hundred percent. You know, like if you want to go in there and work, I'll work with you. I'll break my back for you. You don't want to use this resource that you were given, then fucking it's here when you're ready. And if you don't reuse it, that's fine. But what's even better about you, Joe, is that there's no judgment from you. No, never. You, 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 but there's a lot of that in your industry. Right. Right. So, right. but that could be easily be intimidating to a veteran. But the reason why I want to get back in right. is not because it's because of that. Because you right. didn't judge me. Because you didn't say, "Well, this guy's a fucking loser. He's a slacker. He's this, whatever." No. You didn't even. It, it was just like that's what it is, and it's that's what it is. It's got to be something you enjoy, right? The gym, right? And I tell that to everybody. Like when it becomes a chore, when it becomes when it feels like a negative impact in your life, it it, it step away from it. Go find something else to do. So I did the right thing. No, you not. did. Okay, you did. Like for take, a long time, I didn't know example, if I did. Right? So. I, I compete as a powerlifter. I compete as a strongman. Mm-hmm. So that training is very monotonous. It's the same thing day in and day out. Right? It becomes a job. Mm-hmm. So now I'm doing a job in my job. Right? And right. It, it burns me the fuck out. Right? So I have. I take breaks. I stop. I you know I should I should go and do something else. Right? Like box or or something like that. Something else. Physically, you know, physical activity, but I don't have the time because I work a lot. Right. right? But, you know, when I'm burnt out, I just, you know, take, I'm not going to lift. Okay. So know? I look forward to getting back in the game. Yeah, that's in why there I don't judge anybody because nah. it's, it's got to be something you enjoy. And, but that's something that I feel in the entirety of the program. Right. The heat all together. Like, I never felt judgment from Diane. I never felt right. any of that from you. I never felt that from Gus. Like, I just come in. Right. And you are who you are, and we'll deal with what that is on that day. Like, it's contextual. Right. Like, right. you know, it's in context. Right. No, so, it's, a, it's what we are trying to establish, what we have established so far, I think is a solid program. We just, you know, got to get it out there more. You know? Can you give the listeners a little bit of um, a gist of what kind of workouts you do for some of the veterans, what kind of things? Because they can't see the gym. Well, like you come in, I assess you. We talk about, you know, past injuries, what your goals are. We'll set short-term goals, long-term goals. Um, I have anywhere between free weights, TRX, machines, kettlebells, everything that a gym should have, I have to facilitate what you need to accomplish. Um, I have trained, you know – veterans that are are really broken from you know their years of service and, and been able to negotiate that successfully into something greater i've trained people that are wheelchair bound um you know middle-aged moms you know um athletes high school athletes now i'm breaking into that actually I, i've noticed lot. i've seen that you've been uh yeah i've seen a couple young youngsters in there powerlifting and doing their thing yeah i so. got uh three girls that do uh women's weightlifting for high school and one of them uh just competed in districts on friday and she's actually going to regionals that's awesome man. and i only worked with her for almost two months 
and completely changed the way she lifted. And because I'm all about safety and good technique and good form and good coaching. That's what good coaching is at that level. Like the numbers will come. Right. Strength will build. And you know, that's why they call it a fitness journey, not a fitness sprint. Because journeys, journeys are something that happen over time. Bro, I I can clap and I can scream, bro. Because this is what I. That's the exact message I say about my PTSD. This is a healing journey that I'm on. Right. I know where I started. I don't know where I'm going to end up. There's no real destination. I'm just going with it and I'm dealing with it as it goes. And the numbers will come as where they go. Like, as long as I do what I'm supposed to do. Right. And, you know, like I said, you know, some days you have a good day, some days bad. Mm -hmm. Same for me. Some days I am happy go lucky. Like, let's get it on. And other days I'm like, don't fucking talk to me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. You've seen those days. Yeah. I've seen them. I walk in and head down, like, just leave me alone. Yeah. And then there's other days where I'm like, (laughs) It's party time. Yeah, you know for what I sure. Mean? And those days, you know, the party time days are becoming more, and and the don't fuck with me days are becoming less. But, right. You know, there was a point, like in the beginning of it all, getting out and transitioning. Like the only thing I was afraid of the most was myself, and what I was, because I knew I, I was capable, of, like losing it and hurting somebody. You know, mm-hmm. and that that's a scary feeling when it you is. don't feel like you have control, or you know. And there's so many of us out there that feel that way on a regular basis right. unfortunately right. and you know learning how to harness that and master it and keep things you know right you know it's it like i said it's a journey so you know i, I where i am today i hope to be even better by next year yeah you know because right. it's never, it never you've come it's a never long way happen. oh yeah you've come a long way though right i mean from where from where, from where i was, was 11 years ago getting out right 11 years 10 years 11 right mm-hmm. uh to, to today night and day difference like now, do you mind talking about anything over the last year because i know you had a you were you said last year was a little bit tough for you yeah it's just you know um listen we had twins mm-hmm. you know and and that's a stress it's a good stress don't get me wrong i, I love my girls i love being a dad i'm a very hands-on active dad mm-hmm. but it's a new stress and something you have to adapt and Definitely. learn to and you know with children they're always progressing it's it you know what they did you know on monday is something different on Friday. For sure, you, for you sure. I mean? It's been a blessing. Don't don't get me wrong. I I love my kids. I would have 10 kids if uh if we could. Uh, I love being a dad that much. It's just uh it's been a huge transition. Well, but- would you say it's just just that it's just a little bit tougher because when you have PTSD or you're dealing you're living or you're just dealing with depression of some sort, you know like You want you believe it or not, my kids at certain points are or the reason I'm still here, mm-hmm. right? Because I've had some low points in the last year, and I look at my children, and I can't leave my children. I, I have to be here for them. That's what I mean, yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so my kids have got me through some pretty dark days. and But when I'm with my kids, like, everything else fades away. Like, I, I awesome. tunnel vision to my children. That's awesome, You know, because even my wife is like, wow, you're really calm with the kids. Like, they center me. Yeah. You know? That's like, awesome, yeah, man. Nothing, you know, and, and I think it, more so because... Children are the purest, closest things to an angel we'll ever see, right? Mm-hmm. They don't do anything out of spite. They're not tainted. The innocence. It's just right. the innocence. Right, they're innocent. Yeah. So how do you not enjoy that energy from, right. from, from, from your children yeah. you know what I mean? or any child? Like, and, you know, becoming a dad, now I look at, like, other kids and stuff like that. Like, I never really paid attention to any of that before I was a dad, but now being a dad, it's like... You know, like we were talking about, like with Kobe, mm-hmm. you know, and how he had to lose his daughter with him on the yeah, on the helicopter. That, like, the I'm, tragedy. Like, that, like, you know, that I feel for that. You know, 
Anything. Anything the, that I mean, those anything last moments. sad now with a kid yeah. involved like I mean, in the past before. But being this is dead. what before. This is why you're from New York. I'm from New York. Right. Like we come from a different time and a different place and different culture where you weren't. That was soft. Right. That made you soft to right. even care about people. Right. Right. And that's what I'm learning from the Heat Factory that fuck you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I have empathy. Right. I care about what happens to Joe. Right. I care about what happens to Tyler now. Right. Before, right. it was just because the military combined with where, how I grew up, it was me, right. me, 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 me. I was just, I didn't even know it. Now I look back and I know I'm taking accountability for my life and I know I was nothing more than a fucking taker, bro. Right. Because that's what the military taught me to do is just to take. Right. It's not like purposeful, oh, but, like it's not malicious that they're doing it. Right. It's just what's their purpose to fit their needs. Right. You know, it's like death, right? Like... The one thing the military has done to me personally is has um, numbed the effects of death around me. Like, because I've seen I've, I've seen people get killed. Mm -hmm. I, I've taken life, mm -hmm. right? And 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 that was business. That was war, mm -hmm. right? But when people close to me now pass, right? Because you know that's part of life. It's like. I'm like, well, they're in a better place, and 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 that's as far as my emotions towards that go. And people are like, you're so cold. I'm like, no, it's just we have different outlooks on death. It's just the way you deal with it. Right. It's how you're able to cope with it. Right. You know, so. it's different when you're the actual person pulling the trigger and or holding somebody who has died in your arms or next to you has been blown up right. or like you you just see things differently, man. Right. And and there's for a long time though we were taught even when we come home like. It's wrong to feel soft, man. It's right. just, yeah, it's it, wrong to care. It's wrong to feel bad that that guy died. Like right. to, or it's wrong to ask for help. Yes. Right. And that's what I'm hoping that by us doing this show and getting more and more veterans on, we can right. get out of that stigma, man. Because I'm not going to lie. My pride has gotten in the way of a lot. Me of, too. Of me over the years asking for help. You know, like my wife, you know, like I have tinnitus in my ear. You know, I'm service connected, like I'm, PT I'm PTSD connected and I have hearing loss. And we started with the hearing loss first. And she's like, why don't you go? And I'm like, no, there's soldiers out there that, you know, they lost an arm and eye and I a leg. I did the same like, thing. I, don't, I was like, I, I, I have one ear. Who cares? You know, you know what I mean? Like they deserve it more than me. I don't deserve it. You know, and she's like, no, but you do. Like, you know, I think she... she Three years she rode my ass before I would go and actually file my first claim. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was... I did my claim right away, but for me, it was the PTSD issue. Right. My wife was kind of always on eggshells talking about it, hinting at it. Right. Uh, my doctor would. I had a regular doctor for about eight years that she saved my life. She helped detect my cancer early, all kinds of shit. Right. Whole nother story. But she's... These people were always like, you sure you don't want to do a PTSD yeah. screening? And I'm like, I don't fucking need no screening. I'm right. fine. I'm okay. Right. Meanwhile, I was way the furthest thing from it. I was just a walking pile of anger, fear, and shame, brother. That's all I had was. I was right. a... It took for me to lose my wife. Right. For me to, for her to say, I left you, Tim, because I love you. Right. And I need to love myself. And that really hit me like... Damn, she didn't leave me like most other women would leave because toxicity or right. uh, because of I was cheating or she was cheating or right. other people. None of that shit, bro. Right. It was just because of my anger. Right. And because I had neglected myself for so long, she couldn't stand by and watch me destroy myself anymore. Right. That's yeah. what brought me to the heat factory, man. Like, that's what got me to where I am today, man. And 
I'm hoping that, you know, right now we working it out. And if it doesn't work, I know that because I've gotten the help that I got, I can move forward in a healthy way and know that right. if we don't work. I'm okay. I, she's always going to be a friend in my life or be a person in my life that I have love for. It doesn't have to be toxic and angry and right. fuck out of here. Ah, all this crazy shit, man. Like, oh, yeah, that shit gets tiring and life shit is old, bro. It that really shit does. Is old. Like, it's you exhausting. just reach a point in life where you just want peace. Yes. You know? And that's where I'm at now. And I find I'm finding my happiness within my peace. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to like be happy with myself. Mm -hmm. You know, and. The gym served its purpose at one point, but it's not. It can't be my fallback plan anymore. Right. There's levels to this. Right. Yeah. So, like, the gym came into my life when I needed it the most, mm -hmm. and it helped me, and it brought me through a very dark time, and I ran with that. And now it's like, okay, now I need to find something else. And I have my children. Right. But it's not their responsibility to keep me happy. Right. It's my responsibility as their parent to make sure that they're well provided for and that they are happy and that they are loved. Well said. But yep. it is not their responsibility to make me happy. So I can't rely on them. Mm -hmm. So although they are a big part of my happiness and they, they focus me and I love them to death and we do everything together, I need to find an, another part for me. You, right, you know, that's going to help me get to the next step of this journey. One hundred percent. You know, and I, you know, and. I, was, I still have yet to find it, but uh, I continue to look for but it. But at least you're aware of it. You're not in denial over it. No. You're not just saying, well, the gym was enough. I'm good. I'm just at this place. I'm plateaued. Right. You still yearn for more. Right. And I feel like, for me, that's a sign of healthy thinking. Like, right. I want more of the happiness. I don't want more of the miserable shit. Like, right. I don't want to be angry. When I'm angry now, bro, I know it, and I hate it. Right. I feel it in my bones, and I'm like, change like I try to make a decision in my brain it sounds so stupid but I'm like you're not gonna be angry Tim right. for what what the fuck are you mad about right. what's there to be mad about right. and even more so you know my children are the motivating factor because they look at me mm -hmm. as the example and I don't want them to grow up and being like dad was this old salty fucking war veteran yep. that never fucking got help 100% you know what I mean like I think of myself as like uh, my fear is like you know, like uh, Gran Torino from Clint Eastwood. Yep. He's like that old salty on the bastard. Porch. Yeah, 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 he's just yeah. mean as shit. Yep. I'm like, I don't want that to be me. I agree. <laughs> I, I don't. You I know? agree. And I was pretty close to that before finding this place. Like anybody who knows me and is watching this and listening to this and gets to, they're gonna be like, yeah, I don't know that guy. Right. They might even think that I'm lying and I'm faking this. Right. Because I have never in my life been this person. But at the same token, I will never in my life be that last, that person I was before yeah, either. No, no. I can't unknow what I know now, what I've learned from Diane, from you, from right. Gus, from Marsha, right. you know, at the modules. All of this stuff, I can't unlearn that stuff. Right. And you don't, you know, you don't want to. You I don't. I, I'm addicted to the happiness, brother. I just keep chasing that. That's right. what I'm chasing now. Whatever it is, I'm finding ways and doing this or... Helping out, I was just volunteering at a farm with some horses for veterans, and right. you know, That's like awesome. I, I want to, I just want to be of service. I feel like, for me, my accountability is to be of service to veterans and to all, to human beings and to right. the planet, man. Like because it sounds so. Cody calls me a resident hippie, bro. So, <laughs> listen, I smoke weed and I think about the universe. So you call me a hippie? Yeah, it's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But um, I just feel like there's more. To gain by giving. Yes. Like, I've done 43 years of taking right. and looking at and thinking that I was doing things the right way. Right. Let me try things the way that 
I've are the opposite of the way I've been been doing things. Right. And maybe I get a different outlook and a different outcome. Yeah. So, and, you know, and, and we could just get more veterans in to just start the process. It's a snowball effect, right? Yes. Because it, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't. Right. And, you know, um, if we could just get them rolling in the right direction and making themselves aware. Mm -hmm. Not so much like this is what you're going to do, but like, hey, have you thought about this? You, you, you know, have you looked at it like this? Right. You, you know. Because, you know, Gus has brought in some veterans, you know, and introduced me. And they at first they don't know that I'm, I was in the service or mm -hmm. that I had deployed. And then he tells them. And then, like, you could see, like, oh, okay, like, this guy gets it. It's a trust factor, right. man. Right, That's why um, it's unfortunate, but we make it known to veterans that we're not affiliated with the VA. Right. Not because we have anything as the heat factory against the VA. Right. But it's just that we know that veterans me, myself, and others included, oh, yeah, have a distrust of the VA. Right. So to help them feel more comfortable with who they're talking to and who we are, right. we have to disclaim that to them. Like, we're not affiliated with the VA. Then it's the same thing. Like, they instantly, something's like, oh, they seem more attentive, more right. wanting. Right. Every time I've gone to the VA the last couple of years, it's because of an injury that keeps me from lifting or working, mm -hmm. right? That's the only time I'll ever go to the doctor is if it interferes with... Can I work? Yes or no. Can I lift? Yes well, or you're no. lucky, brother. So uh, other than that, I, you know, I, I should go for other things, but that's really my pride, again, getting in the way, and mm -hmm. that's where I, I draw the line. So every time I've gone for something like, um, you know, like I tore my pec or I've, I've taken my wrist all the way, snapped it back to my wrist, you know, my forearm, like, and it's caused me to not be able to work correctly or, or lift, I go, and they're like, oh, so you want pain meds? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't need pills. Fix me so I can get back out there and keep doing what I love, right? And then they're like, well, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a personal trainer, and they're like, you need to stop working out. I'm like, did you just hear the words that came out of your fucking mouth? Like, like that's my job. Like, my career. Right. And stop exercising when you're promoting, hey, you should exercise. Like, now you're telling me I shouldn't. Like, you just contradicted yourself. So what are your thoughts on, on marijuana? Because I know a lot of people in your industry do, do use it, CBD, not right. just THC-based, right. but CBD-based for healing. And I've, heard, I've read, report, I've read right. articles where it does... It, accelerates the muscle growth healing and it's just that take away from that it's just the mental clarity of, of being able to chill the fuck out right mm. so like like you say you drink right you, you knock down a fifth of something or i know personally like when i have drank in the past and drank heavy i want to fight right right i want to yes. fight everyone right and i'll win mm -hmm. right um marijuana like i don't think I would want that. You know what I mean? I think I'd just sit on the couch and just yeah, because, chill the fuck out. You know, and I feel like a lot of that needs because there's no education on it. Right. And, you know, I mean, if you educated just, veterans on it, I, I guarantee, and you and we were the ones that weren't prohibited from getting it because we went and left a piece of ourselves on another country in another right. theater. Right. Then we came home. I think we should be entitled to that health care. I agree. And we're not. And that if you don't want to make it legal for everybody right. you should at least make it legal for us when we come home personally i think anything used in moderation anything you know from marijuana to alcohol hell even tobacco mm -hmm. right because uh, anything past that it's just no right right so okay. you know if you use those in moderation like yeah yo it was great talking to you joe Likewise, i hope to man. have you on again man yeah, yeah this is tim cody and tyler for talking context remember we all have value 
Stay positive, stay forward. Have a great day.